Uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the latest version of our Business Spotlight podcast, where we're here to help you learn about entrepreneurs and how they've developed and grown their business and achieved the successes and overcome the challenges that they face throughout their career. So I'm delighted to uh, introduce you to uh, Toby Phillips. Um, and rather than me sort of do a run round and try and uh, uh, give you an explanation of who Toby is and what his business is, I'll pass it on and uh, and let him know. But just to sort of clarify, my name is Gary Howes. I'm an action coach based down in Dorset. So helping people like Toby and people like yourselves to grow and develop and take your business to the next next step. So without further ado, Toby, tell us about who you are and who what's your business. Uh, morning, Gary. Thank you ever so much. I have to say that's probably the strangest Dorset accent I've ever come <laughs> Yes, yeah. Um, I'm a bit further south. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> we'll find out more about that, I'm sure, a bit later. So, yes, um, thank you for that very kind introduction. So, um, I'm a, a, a career uh, estate agent. Uh, I've been uh, within the property industry now for... Uh, just over 35 years um, in, in many different facets um, as a business owner, uh, as a company director, um, and now as a managing director of a franchise group called Property Franchise Group, where I run um, five of the, um, uh, the the high street brands um, and over 80 franchisees. So 80 business owners um, that, that, that I look after, Gary. Okay, excellent, excellent. So just give us a little bit about it. I mean, you have, what did you say, 35 years? Did you come out of school and decide, I want to be an estate agent? And off you go. How did you end up in uh, in this sort of career and this this line of work? I, I, th I think being really honest, Gary, no one comes out of school and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be an estate agent. Um, I, thought, I thought that might be the answer. Yeah, it, it's kind of one of these things that you fall into, Gary. So um, when I left school, I was um, uh, in the... Uh, in the time when I left school, it was very much into apprenticeships. So you could either go and work for the bank, you could be uh, a, a plumber, electrician, bricklayer, um, or or you went to work for an insurance company. They were the key parts. <laughs> or actually you went to work in the forces. So not being very brave, the forces was out of the question for me. And um, I, I plumped for, I'm going to be a, a bricklayer. Yeah. Uh, I lasted precisely three weeks. Uh, knowing that actually this was not going to be um, the, the, the vocation for me. So actually what I did, tried a bit of, sort of di different jobs, all the way from being an electrician to being a removals man. Um, I, I did, in the, my first year of leaving school, I think I did about, probably about seven jobs from cleaning chandeliers to digging trenches to all sorts of stuff. And actually, um, I was introduced to agency by, um, on a building site, actually. So... I got talking to a site agent who, who I now know as an estate agent and said, you're quite a personable guy. Have you ever thought about an estate agency? Uh, and at that point, I thought all estate agents had filofaxes, red braces and drove lovely cars. So that was a big appeal. And it was quite raining and muddy where I was working, Gary. And actually, that was uh, I was just shy of 17. And uh, I went for the interview. And, and uh, now uh, I've um, I, and that's still what I've been doing since that day. Uh, absolutely loved it. It's given me some fantastic experiences, um, more so than I, I would have had with leaving school with no plan at all, apart from uh, how do I earn money more, mm -hmm. more, more so. So it was a completely U-turn in life. Um, and um, yeah, very, very um, a, a good decision, uh, and, and but one that was not thought out or planned whatsoever, Gary. Okay, excellent. Good. 
So how did you sort of go from that then into becoming an entrepreneur, owning your own business? How did that transition all work? Um, so it's a very much what I had the great benefit of is I worked for um, one of the, the, the most leading corporate agencies at that time. And one of the things that I had, I worked for a firm called Countrywide PLC at, at that time were owned by Ambrose Bank. And what I had is I had a, a fantastic foundation a fantastic introduction into agency probably I, I would say this even now probably one of the best training programs for anybody getting into the business that corporate training and actually um i then rose through very quickly uh, and then became a, a branch manager um within the first sort of five six years of being in agency um really got the taste for running this branch uh joe you know I, I think i could do this for myself mm. um so it was very much and clearly, uh, Gary, at the age of 23, I'd mastered the art. I knew everything. <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, um, I, I was I was very fortunate that actually, uh, and this is one of the things that I pass on to anyone, I linked in with a business partner uh, who worked with me at a slightly more senior level and very different in character to me. So would would, would do all of the operational parts of setting up a business where for me, I was very frontline purely about right, well, actually, this is, you know, I, I need to drive this business. So the opportunity arose. I just bought my first house. Um, so I was able to take some equity from my house to then get in and set up a business and then really marry that business, you know, seven days a week while I started. So the opportunity came about from my first employer um, and then really making sure that I had the right business partner who was actually... Um, whilst we, we we weren't sort of sociably connected, um, it was the right business partner in terms of the strengths and weaknesses of that partnership. Okay. And um, how many staff did you have at that time then, Toby? Uh, myself and my business partner. Oh, is it just the two of you? Okay. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, we we um, if it, our motto was if you buy a pen, I buy a pen. And <laughs> okay. That was our, our our slogan to each other. Okay. But very much, obviously, you know, for the first six months and looking at. You know, at, at that stage, the, the part that was ringing in our ears was very much one in three new businesses will fail in the first 12 months. So for us, it was very much, look, we will do everything ourselves. And when we get to month six, uh, our funding, our personal funding for our own life will then, we, we, we have to make money yeah. in month six so we can then draw salary and work from there. I think we appointed our first member of staff in around about month seven. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then we grew that each year onwards and onwards and onwards. And I think one of the things that we really learned is actually um, there is a big sacrifice. You have to uh, financially, time-wise, I had a, a young family at the time as well, but it is very much if you put in those early early, early hours, early days, early sessions, um, and actually that, that's what, that, is, that forms your obsession, Gary. Mm. Um, and actually... Um, when we when we took on our first employee, you're actually quite nervous because the business is so tight. You you know exactly what what's happening, and and if you dilute that with with extra support, that that that's a big step. And the yeah. more you bring on, the more that business is diluted. So you know we were very very careful in terms of the financial forecast we had, but also bringing on uh, anybody that would actually take some of our control. Yeah. Uh, so about, about yeah. month seven was our, our first employee. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, going back to the early 2000s, I used to work for Bradford and Bingley at the time as an area director. So if you recall, they owned estate agents. It yes, was yes. Services, banking and estate agents. So um, the margins were pretty tight on estate agency, which you wouldn't expect from the outside looking in. So mm. it was quite a fascinating experience involved in that. So, uh, yeah. Um, so how did that progress then? You got to sort of month seven and you got your first employer. You're obviously now self-supporting for you and your business partner. How long did that go on for? When did you sort of break away? What, what was the sort of next phase? The the, the the real next phase was we were traditional estate agents and this is where i would i would give this out to anybody we had one key skill set which which was taking out on and selling them to, to put it really sort of bluntly what we really realized after month seven is we're we're not going to survive on just being one facetted business mm -hmm. um, so what we have to do is we have to grow the income streams so we then invested quite heavily into lettings to grow and manage portfolio which meant we had to grow that ourselves and then bring in expertise once it got to a certain number. Uh, we then uh, partnered up with a mortgage services business. So we had a mortgage services consultant based within our office. Um, and, and also then, this was around the time as well, slightly later on of the, the HIPS introduction. So part of us was very much, we, we'd already formed very good partnerships with our local conveyances and local lawyers. So we could pass reciprocal business. So from one business stream within the first 24 months, we turned that into four business streams right. um, with the core of the business still being a very healthy marketplace uh, in, in, in a London suburb. So with month 24, we then added a more consultant, we partnered with a very good financial services business, but we also then uh, acquired the building we, we, we worked in. Okay. And what happened then is we could then actually uh, expand the business so we could move a department completely focused on lettings, management, and everything that comes with it uh, into another part of our building. So it, it, the 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 expansion really grew legs after the first sort of uh, the first sort of twenty four months. But that was all born out of we are not going to survive with one stream of income. If the market you know does whatever, we get a sort of a, an economical meltdown anywhere we are very very exposed so very quickly in that business we understood we've got to get four facets of this business yeah. and as many income streams when you are self-employed uh, from coming from the employed model you have to make sure that every single uh, opportunity to earn income is realized uh, and you can't be um, single-minded about what what you want to do it's it's everything is um everything needs to go into their income pot in the first three years. So when you you sort of developed there, Toby, when you and your partner sat down together and started this off, did you have a vision of what it was you were trying to achieve? I'm just busy reading um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's book at the moment. Okay. Um, and he talks in there about um, vision, picture and plan, he said. You've got to have a picture of where you're going and you've got to have a plan to how to get there. And with an action coach, obviously, we're very focused on having vision, mission statements and plans to get there. Did your plan just evolve over time? Did the two of you sit down and have a vision you're going to be the X, Y and Z or did it just sort of happen organically? Well, it's a really interesting question, Gary, because um, had I, had, I could provide you the answer in what I know today. Mm -hmm. Had I known the answer then, yeah. I would probably still be in that business because uh, actually, um, this is this is again is uh, we we didn't have a plan apart from to be the number one agent in our town. 
-hmm. That was the plan. So we didn't have a plan to uh, year three, we're going to do X, year four. So it was organic, reactive growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is before anything social media was was, was huge and massive. Um, This is, you know, very much, um, you know, it, it, it become for us, it was very much, uh, a very basic business model, a plan to say, I, I don't want to work for a corporate agency. I want to work for myself and let's try and make it as uh, as comparable to what we've been doing as we can, but yeah. let's be the owners. So actually, in terms of plan, in terms of vision, uh, no, absolutely no, no plan. Vision was let's just be number one. Let's just mm-hmm. make sure we are really seizing as much market share so in terms of if you just said where do you want to be in year 10 gary um i, I can say quite honestly to everyone else looking at this absolutely no plan and no vision which was something that i would always now mm. come back to that yeah. would be one of the big learnings for me yeah i that that was sort of leading into the next question you know if you were to start from square one in business now today what would you do differently so so having a plan obviously would be one of them yeah yeah, so one of the things that you, you've always got, because obviously what you when you become self-employed uh, or a business owner, uh, you lose a lot of uh, the or the corporate uh, protection, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about sort of franchising in, 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 in a bit. But what you have got is you've got a financial plan. So you, you've got a financial forecast that you, you, the bank will lay down with you and you'll agree to, and actually you know how you're budgeting this business. Starting again, I'd have a very, very clear five-year plan. Mm-hmm. I'd have a very clear growth plan. I'd have a very clear plan in terms of the size that the business would be uh, after five years. I would be very, very much closer to uh, where I could invest my money in terms of acquiring to to, to grow so through the uh, an M and A model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, if I start again, there would be a very clear plan. That would be based upon growth and how I was going to get to that growth. And then probably the biggest part for me, and I say this to all of my franchisees now, the asset value of your business, what parts of your business carry an asset. So actually part of the mantra that I I really subscribe to, uh, and one of my colleagues actually I work with now, every day that I was in that business uh, would be the day I sold the business. Okay. So I would get that business ready for sale from day one to day a thousand of one. Yeah. That would be the things that I would do differently every day. It would be whatever I do to this business, how am I growing the asset? Even though I'm not going to sell for 30 years, every day I'd be preparing to sell. Yeah. It's an interesting point again, because one of the things we focus on and one of my opening questions with clients when I start working with them is what does your business look like when it's finished? Yeah. You know, what's the end game? Because you've got to know where you're going and you've got to have the business all lined up accordingly because, you know, we're very focused on the strategic side, helping business owners work on their business rather than in their business. And I guess sort of where you are now, I guess, as we'll come on to in a second, having that commercially profitable business that works without you so that it just runs as a, as a business. You talk about an asset. You want an asset that runs that somebody could buy it from you on Friday, work in on Monday. And you're not needed and they can keep that business running and that makes it valuable. And I think, Gary, for, for everyone, so I think when you're in the woods, mm. uh, you're in the trees, you've got your blinkers on, you know, and I think these days we call it laser focused 
yeah. but you haven't got that ability to have a helicopter looking over your business, you must always have someone alongside your business mm. that can look at the business from a really unemotional viewpoint yeah. and, and almost tweak the direction you're going in. Without that, that's again something that I didn't subscribe to because clearly I'm an expert in my field. Mm. Why am I going to have someone else telling me what to do? Yeah. 13 years later, um, I that's the job I now do because mm. actually I know that would have made a fundamental difference had I have listened yeah. to a business advisor, a business coach. Yeah. And one of the massive things I subscribe to now that actually surrounding yourself with the very best people right. yeah. is, is absolutely vital, but also surrounding yourself with experts that actually were paying for that advice is absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're advocates of that. I think I think it's Jim Rohn who says, you know, you are the equivalent of the five people you spend the most time with. That was quite an eye opener when I, I heard that one. That was quite interesting when you sort of then evaluate who you spend your time with. So uh, it's interesting. And I, and I think it's it's interesting, Gary, because for me, my ethics always been I'm going to outwork you. Yeah. So I don't care what you do, but I'm I, I'm going to outwork you in, in in every single in area. And actually, that will get you so far before actually you realize um that you have to bring in um support mm. whether or not you welcome that support you listen that's what you have to do that yeah you, actually, you have to work smartly and then in, in the day and age that we now live in with with change after change after change and technology playing such a major part in what we do you have to and, and you won't be an expert in every single fashion mm. Um, so that work ethic, whilst it has to remain, you, you have to then uh, apply that into partnerships that will continue to see the results. Otherwise, yeah. you do become burnt out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so Toby, let's take the, the last bit of your journey then from where you were with your, your business partner there in a growing business to what you're doing now, which is slight, same kind of industry, but obviously very different role. Absolutely. So after coming out of that business, I went to work for two of the leading corporate agencies there. I was, um, my last 12 years have been spent working at back actually at, uh, at Countrywide, where I worked through very many different levels and uh, eventually became the managing director of the Southern Division. So running around about 240 outlets across sales, lettings, financial services. Um, had a great time working with some of your old colleagues from Bradford and Bingley. So okay. some really great guys there. And actually, I, um, in the last year, um, I was very fortunate. I took up a post uh, following an acquisition of the business I was working for uh, with the property franchise group. Um, and there's three stages I always believe in, in in my industry is you're an independent owner, you're a, you, you work for a corporate uh, firm, or you, you're a franchise. And actually, franchising for me is... Is very similar to the conversation we have today. It, we allow people to operate under a very, very successful brand. Mm -hmm. We provide them with support in terms of um, the running of their business, the business planning of their business. Uh, we have a, a head office, the franchising department that actually oversee uh, everything to do with running that business from a compliance point of view, a marketing point of view, an accounting point of view. What it does, it allows business owners to focus on driving their business whilst the compliance side, whilst the marketing side, whilst the training side 
is what they actually pay us to do for them. And actually, if you're new to running a business, it's a beautiful uh, way of actually that entry coming in to say, my name's above the door. However, I'm trading under a, a trusted name, which mm -hmm. is Paramount. But actually, I've got the support of all of these people, but I'm still it, I'm still the owner. Mm -hmm. So I've got some guidelines. I've got some things that I have to do by being a franchisee. But actually, by and large, I'm I'm trading. I'm self-employed, and I own this business. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I, I work with um, some really really successful franchisees. Um, I've had a fantastic first year in franchising, um, and, and I can well see why what a benefit it brings to people um, that actually want to. To want to be their own business, but actually, like I was, the skill set in operating property portals, in running social media campaigns, in making sure that the money I'm spending on my marketing is working, the, the, the training that actually I, I need to be able to develop my staff, the compliance issues that are huge in every industry now mm. are almost are taken care of for me. Um, right. And actually, my, my role is to is to go out and uh, train, influence, um, and really the, the only agenda I have is to make these businesses a more successful. But coming back to that first question Gary talked about, this is all about the asset value of these people who have been extremely brave, put their own money in, and actually my job is to make sure the asset they have, when they realise exit on that exit D-Day, it's mm -hmm. worth exactly what they want it to be worth by making all the right decisions mm -hmm. along the line. Okay. So that's it. I'd like to delve into that a little bit more because I, I would say I probably spend 90% of my time working on finance with clients, with time, you touched on, and team. You know, work it. Every business is a people business. Doesn't matter what it is, people buy people, and that will never change. So be interested in your insights in terms of looking as a an employer of people as well as in your role now where you're not necessarily an employer of them, but it's a franchise or franchisee or support element there. I mean, what are the biggest learnings you find as an employer in that area over the last few years? You know, what what, what should people focus on to get a, a good performing team, an exceptional performing team? Um, the first thing, again, is, is I think everybody, if if I had a, a pound, Gary, for everyone that I, uh, one of my staff said to me, I've got this this lady, I've got this guy who's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to change our fortunes. Uh, I, I probably may not be on this call <laughs> with this background. It will be a beach somewhere. Um, so, so one of my big learnings and one of the things that I part is, is in any industry, um, as an employer, we can provide skill. Mm -hmm. We can provide learning. We can provide understanding, whether that's through people like yourselves, uh, whether that's just through ourselves being the experts in this particular field. The one thing you can't have uh, and the one thing you can't buy, and it might sound very corny, is you can't buy attitude. Yeah, absolutely. So what I look for in every single employee is whilst you've never sold a house or you've never sold a car or you never, but actually what you have got is you've got the ability to mm. wake up without an alarm clock. Yeah. And looking at every person as an individual to say, what are your needs? What, why do you need to be here? And, but also Gary, something you mentioned is I look at the end game of all my employers. So I, I'm taking you on, you're 22 years of age. Where, where where do we need to get you? What's our partnership agreement by the time you're 25? Mm -hmm. By the time you're 27? How are we going to make you successful to buy your first house, to get married, 
to have children, to 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 change the quality of life. And actually, every employee that, that I look at now is a partnership agreement. It's a two-way. I'm investing within you in terms of the skill, but I have to make sure you've got the same engine, energy levels and need to be here. The first thing I look for in anything, and I'm not big on CVs because I've never written, I've never, I've never read a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like doing Zoom interviews. I, I like to meet the person I'm going to invest in. If you're going to, if you're going to buy something, Gary, you have to go and see it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so staff for me are the biggest investment. And again, in any in my field that I work in now, if I went out to my next hundred customers that, that are going to sell the houses through franchisees. The one thing that comes out on every single poll is staff. Yeah. And how the perception of staff, the expertise of those staff. So for me, staff are all about what I can provide as an employer in terms of skill, knowledge, development. Um, but also everyone must have a business plan yeah. to understand the value of their desk and understand what they do. If they if they hit the bell at X, what they receive. Now some some people don't always want the same reward. Yeah. It could be a car, it could be a title, it could be salary, it could be the next rung up the ladder. But knowing that from day one and formalizing mm. that partnership agreement. So yeah. that, that for me is 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 a people's business. Right. But the people don't always come in the shapes and sizes that traditionally we think they will. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent agree with that. So, Toby, I'm going to delve in a little bit more about you personally as we finish off here now and get yeah. an understanding of you. As I mentioned, it's about, you know, if people want to earn more, they got to learn more. So what would you recommend as the top business book that people should read and learn from? Uh, for, for me, one of the, the two things. So the, the, the one of the best business books I've ever read has been The Chimp Paradox. Yeah, excellent. Mm -hmm. Um and again, that that might be a more personal thing to me because it actually did resonate after I read it. I read it once. <laughs> um, one of the things that, that I I would say about any business books, whether you know it's an autobiography that you know you, you need that motivation. So there's some great motivational biographies that have been brought out there at the moment. Um, but there, there's there's other books that de delve deeper into the psychology of business. Uh, again, and I think. The one thing I would do before you read any business books is, for me, if you're not a natural reader of books, uh, I always think Audible is, yeah. is a great alternative. You're on holiday, Christmas season coming up. But I, but I always think, start with a book that actually uh, is something of interest to you. Yeah. So whether it's psychology, you know, sometimes business books can be quite hard going. Yeah, I agree with you totally it, there. It'd be a bit unrealistic. So for me, my my biggest book was the Chimp Paradox, but I've I've gone all the way down from reading at the moment Eddie Hearn's uh, Success, which okay. is uh, something I wouldn't thought I'd be reading, but fantastic. Yeah. Um, but again, it's something that actually uh, resonates with me because sometimes in any any and you're probably the same, Gary. Sometimes you need that motivation and aspiration of saying who who do I aspire to, and actually sometimes that can be in many that could be a a political leader it can be a you know a war veteran or something like that so for me the best business book i say chimp paradox but also any book that's relevant to you in terms of motivation yeah um and, and that's what i i would say because otherwise you can you can get disillusioned if you if yeah. you read every single motivational yeah. book podcast that's going um, yeah make it relevant to you 
Yeah, and it's interesting point you mentioned. Many business books I don't get anywhere near the end of. So uh, it's interesting that. So I've got a whole bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. and I've got to confess, it, it looks quite I'll, good. But... I'll get, yeah, I'll get around to it one day. There's others. There's so many out there, isn't there? Go on then. Final question for you. You've talked about, um, you know, what your business is going to look like when it's finished. Your end game. What's on your bucket list? Um, interestingly, um, so I've, I've given up with the end bucket list. Okay. Jumping out of planes and everything else and everything else. So, so what I've done, Gary, is, is I've got a yearly bucket list. Uh, excellent. Yeah. So, uh, my, my, and again, so they are, and one of the things I actually, I, I picked up from the last book I've been reading is, um, rather than having one big bucket, mm. you know, that sort of route 66 tall, yeah. whatever it may be, is actually set myself a bucket every single year. Okay, excellent. So this year I'm going to run a 10K. Brilliant. Uh, and most people go, well, I'll do that every Saturday. <laughs> so I've never run more than half a K yeah. in my entire life. Um, so that's a bucket. So every year I, I will sit down um, before the year ends and yeah. set next year's. Okay. So this year, I'm really unfit, Gary. Um, I watch all these people running, cycling. I think, right, I probably have to do that. So 10K for me, it, it might as well be a triathlon. That, <laughs> that's a real challenge. That's my bucket list. And then obviously, um, but the most important thing with my bucket list is, is to set them before the year ends. Yeah, It, it can't be January because it, mm. it, it, it's, it's not going to happen. So big bucket list for me is get fit because I, I do know in business now, um, something I've never really done mm. is physically looked after myself to make myself mentally sharper. Yeah. So uh, probably for the next two or three years, they're all going to be around getting fit, getting yeah. healthy and, and, and a bit of a lifestyle change for me. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, that's great. Thank you very much for that, Toby. I really enjoyed it. Always fascinating to to hear people's stories and I'm sure there'll be plenty of snippets or these uh, blinding flashes of the obvious that'll come to people's minds as they listen in. So I uh, really appreciate you taking your time and uh, and we can reach you at propertyfranchise.co.uk. Is that right? You so, can indeed. Um, that's my direct one. But Gary, thank you so much. And look, I, I'll probably... I think it's that time of the year where I can say have, have a great Christmas and a really yeah. good New Year. And the same to you, Toby. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. All, right. All the great Thanks best. Today, Toby. Thank up. you.